Hello, my name is Mike Carver, and welcome to another episode of Stop Winging It, which is brought to you by Wingman Associates, a business and leadership coaching and consulting firm, and 10 Capital Wealth Advisors. Stop Winging It is a podcast for and about small business owners and entrepreneurs. We want this time to be dedicated to exchanging great stories and real-life experiences as we seek to support those who are starting or building their own businesses or wanting to improve their current situation. Our hope as a company and via this podcast is to help you make the next best decision professionally or personally. I'm your host, Mike Carver, and joining us today is Spencer Hutchins. Our family has known Spencer for the better part of two decades. He is a Gig Harbor product, went to Gonzaga, and then on to the UW for a law degree. But rather than taking the next traditional step, he opted to become a small business owner and went into real estate. He has built a very successful real estate business under the Hutchins Home Group over the past 15 plus years. He's also recently served for a couple years on the Gig Harbor City Council, and he's been a lifelong contributor to Young Life as a mentor and a coach for the whole time that we've known him. He is currently running for the vacated seat of the 26th District in the Washington State House of Representatives. And I know you will enjoy Spencer's passion and energy, along with his outlook on life and his vision for our future. Well, thanks again for joining us today, Spencer. This is awesome for me. Um, I'm trying to remember when we first met because I think it was you being introduced to one of my kids. Years. It's been years. Had to yeah. have been at least when I was in middle school. So we're talking, you know. Yeah, a couple of years then. So we moved yeah. 25 years ago. Yeah. This uh, actually in September. Yep. We came out from the from the Midwest. So, uh, and through through that all, we have known you. Watch you grow up a little bit and uh, seeing you flourish, wow, uh, which you. has been a, uh, this is a neat part of having a, a podcast like this, get to reconnect with some people, find out what's been going on in their lives. And there's been a ton going on in your <laughs> life. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time out uh, as you are in the middle of campaigning. Yeah. And we're going to spend some time on that mm-hmm. um, for the audience, as they heard in the intro, uh, Spencer's running for the, uh, the open seat in the 20. 26th district um, here in the state of Washington, and we are excited to hear his views on any number of things that I will begin to throw at him. But I think it's great if we go back uh, a little bit here. So you're a, you're a hometown boy, yeah. but take us from maybe uh, late high school into college. What um, what was the thought then? Before you had real estate, before even this recent decision, right. what were you thinking of early on that you'd well, like to do? I, I, I appreciate the question, Mike. It's hard to it, it's hard to go back and say, okay, what was my grand life plan? I remember as as a high school graduate hmm. having a few goals. Yeah. Um, but they were pretty undefined. You know, I didn't I didn't know what career path I wanted to take, but I knew some things that I wanted to accomplish. Um, I wanted to get married and have a family. I wanted to provide for my family at uh, at a level that I thought was rewarding, you know, right. that, um, that, that provided some, um, some prosperity and some, um, peace for, for my family. Uh, and I knew that I wanted to stay in this area. So yeah. Yeah. it was, I mean, 
Outside of that, and I knew I, I wanted at the time, and we'll talk about this, at the time I knew I wanted to be involved in politics. Um, and that did change over time, interestingly. But um, but that was kind of the, that was the, the blank canvas on which anything could be painted. And so mm. um, when I went off to college, it was really a, it was a blank slate. What am I going to do with my life? I know what I'd like to achieve broadly speaking, mm -hmm. you know, in kind of an, in an amorphous sense, but, but like literally speaking, what am I going to do right. <laughs> on yeah. a day-to-day -day basis? Right. And so when I went to Gonzaga University, um, my philosophy of education has always been, it was then, and it continues to be, pursue the things that are interesting to you. Mm -hmm. I describe it as the things that light your brain on fire. Mm -hmm. I was just talking to a class of students the other day. Mm. And, uh, and, and I said, they were seniors in high school. And I said, when you go off to college, if you go off to college, um, my recommendation, my advice is to take the classes from the professors that light your brain on fire, mm. that really interest you, that um, that make you want to continue learning, because that's, in my view, that's life, a go. lifelong process of learning. Yeah. And so I studied the things that were interesting to me. I studied political science and philosophy, and I studied French, and I studied Latin, and I, I certainly did not study, right. um, you know, uh, yeah. engineering right. and, uh, and biology, right. you know. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, right. So yeah. I got out of there and, and in the process had gotten connected, you know, politically and, and started kind of going down the political road right out of college. But um, but what was my goal in life? My goal in life was mm. to be a contributing member of society and mm -hmm. provide for a family and have a meaningful life in the community that I love. That right. was that was kind of the that was right. the vision. It was a it was a yeah, broad that's great advice. I mean you don't you don't get people often enough. I we find that with our clients um, all too often business owners who had a great idea product or service, highly passionate around the idea, and they're, they're, they're way out over the tips of their skis because the idea came with the actual having to run a business. Right. And it involved 27 other things yes. that they weren't trained for. That's right. But the idea and the passion and energy that they had for whatever it was that they started, you could still see it. It's still kindling. It's still right there in front of me. And then just trying to reorganize them and help them, you know, find that again exactly. is part of what we try to do. So I, I love the advice to the kids. Yeah. Follow your passion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, I, and, and, you know, when you're following your passion and you are looking at a goal in front of you and you know you want to achieve it, hmm. then you need to reverse engineer what it takes to get that done. There you go. Right. And that's where the discipline comes in. Right. Yep. That's where doing the checking the boxes and taking the classes and, yeah. and growing the, the skill sets and the habits that that are necessary for what it is that you want to achieve. You yeah. know, you're not going to feed yourself on on dreams. Yeah. You are going to feed yourself on the execution of your dreams. And that's and that is mm. that takes some discipline to do. Yeah, um, so yeah. I told I told those students then I tell everyone do the stuff that lights your brain on fire and be disciplined about building the path toward your you know toward your achievement it's that second one that has uh, all of us older uh, boomer generations concerned or uh, the younger generation <laughs> willing to do the hard work of putting in and uh, getting the behavioral habits yeah. you know in place and certainly that, that's a you know wide swath I just cut there there's plenty of them that are right but but it seems like what we want it we want it now yes please well, and, yeah. and that is and that is the challenge that you know I look at the my life over the last 10 years um, or where I am now and have I achieved what I wanted to achieve by the time I wanted to achieve it hmm. I don't know I think my 18 year old self probably would look at me now and go it took you 20 years to do what I was hoping you'd do in eight yeah. you know <laughs> and you go okay yeah. well but my 18 year old self was was immature right. and didn't know 
what it took and hadn't lived life in in you know in yeah. a lot of ways. There you go. And so yeah, you gotta you, you gotta go up against life a little bit and and learn, get bruised, yeah. get battered a little bit, and pick yourself up. I, you know, I had this conversation with my brother once. Mm. He he was he was telling me he said, you know, I feel like you'll just always succeed at whatever you do, and and I don't have that. You know, I don't have the ability to just you know golden touch touch something and it and it uh, succeeds. Right. And I told him, yeah. I said, I don't know if I failed enough in life to achieve all the things I want to achieve. Yeah. That notion there that we go. need to hit the skids, we need to hit the wall, mm-hmm. we need to we need to press into challenges yeah. and difficulty in order to grow and and uh, and rise to the to the occasion. Um, I, that applies certainly to me in business. Applies to me in politics. It's all you know, all kinds of stuff. But yeah. I hope that our younger generations are being um, encouraged to go out there and and be comfortable failing because that discomfort of failing needs to be a growth process for them to to then grow and achieve uh, from there. Yeah, yeah. You know what, the listening audience doesn't know this yet, but they're about to. Now you're an accomplished uh, violinist. First of all, um, that takes discipline. (laughs) <laughs> and years and years yeah. and years of practice, yeah. and I and I know that um, only because we've seen you through through church right. and different places where we we watched to play. When did that musical side of you start? Was it early on? It was you, early. And were you forced young. into it? Did you no. go? Oh, I love this. No, I was so I was not forced into it. Yeah. I'll give my parents a lot of credit. They wanted to open our eyes to as many opportunities as possible. Mm-hmm. This just goes to the importance of dedicated parents in, yeah. in the lives of their children. Right. Um, you know, right. we were we were told to pursue sports. We were told to pursue music. We were told to pursue, you yeah. know, whatever we wanted to. And, and yeah. very very early on, your listener listeners will, um, I'll be honest and say I'm not an athlete. You know, I have never been interested in sports, and I did sports a little bit when I was a little kid, but it just was not something that I was animated by. Yeah. And but music was, and I I remember starting to take viol- uh, excuse me piano lessons when I was, geez, I think I was. Six, mm-hmm. you know, I was young, yeah, and six or seven maybe, and um, and then might have been even younger than that. And then by the time I was ten, I really wanted to be playing violin. Uh, my aunt was a very, very accomplished violinist, and uh, and I had watched her, and I any time a violin was being played, I just sort of was drawn to it. Yeah, and uh, and so I I told my parents I wanted to play violin as well, and they um, they didn't believe me at first, um, and they let me hang on to that yeah. you know that that thing I, I kept talking about right. for a little while before they finally said okay fine let's you know find a teacher and let's get a little violin we can rent there you go. and we rented a violin I started playing at 10 and and that was that I mean it just I it just loved it huh? lit, lit on fire and yeah. and um and really what what fueled my love of music um, was not just the learning how to play an instrument, it was actually the ensemble. So by the time I was uh, in sixth grade or so, I was starting to play in, in youth orchestras. Yeah. Um, I played in the Peninsula Youth Orchestra, on which I'm uh, I'm on the board now. Um, I played in the Tacoma Youth Symphony, which I then, after college, joined the board of and, right. and had been the, the past president of that board. Um, so I've stayed involved in these local arts organizations, but I was in yeah, youth awesome. orchestras. Right. And playing in an ensemble was what I loved the most. So. Mm. Post-college, there wasn't really that opportunity, so I play on Sunday at, at church right. where I can. And um, and you know what's really interesting? Going back to the theme of discipline and yeah. hard work and, and all of that, I knew pretty quickly, 
as I advanced in my violin performance that I would not be a professional violinist, that I would not be the guy getting paid to be in the first violin section mm -hmm. of the Seattle Symphony, yeah. that I would not be someone laying down tracks on a CD yeah. because I was not putting in the time. It was not the highest passion in my life. I was glad to play in an orchestra, but I saw right. that my level of commitment to that instrument was not such that would lead to a oh, professional career. Yeah. So when people go, you're a very accomplished violinist, I say, thank you so much. I know full well how right. many accomplished violinists there are out there. I am not one of them, comparatively speaking, yeah. because I know by the time I was in high school, I wasn't putting into it what it would take to be a particularly accomplished that, right, professional violinist. Yeah. And I yeah. just recognized that about myself. And, and my teacher at the time gave me permission to be okay with that. Right. right. Say, you know what? Right. You're doing this for fun. You're doing this for personal edification. Yeah. You're not doing it to be a professional violinist one right. day. So that's okay. There you go. I mean, yeah. millions of people play guitar the same way. That's exactly right. right? Yep. Just just want to just yep. want to hack it up. Yeah. Unlike the kid that hung around with my older boy, uh, who you know pretty well, Jay Hildebrand. Yep. Who was dedicated at a level of three to five hours a day. Genius. Um, he was, and we would play. He'd come over to the house, and uh, kudos. <laughs> <laughs> to Jay, we could not outstump him. We play stump Jay. Oh, and I would say, how about impossible. the how about the opening riff too, or how about this melody? No, no, you kid not. No, he was operating on a totally different plane. It was unbelievable. Yep. Yeah, and so that's dedication. Exactly. That is that is creative and genius and yep. a bit of God given talent. Amen. But boy, did he work hard. He worked. Real, <laughs> Real work hard. hard. Absolutely Great right. to see what happens when that, it's, you know, when those two amazing. come together. Exactly yeah. Right. yeah, we saw some first seat. I guess their first seat uh, went to Michael Bublé last last week. Mm. And there's an orchestra behind him, mm -hmm. and there are only you know three or four violinists, and, right. but he had a, a pretty good you know yep. size uh, accompaniment going. And uh, we're thinking, what would it take <laughs> to be on tour with Michael Bublé? A lot. That's like the best of the best right. I, at some a level, I right. would think. So, um, so there you go. You got you got to have the commitment and you know to be able to back it up yeah you know you so you get out of college and uh, and now you've got some thoughts some ideas yeah. you end up in real estate but before that you keep on getting an education yeah yeah so, so why why'd you my, go that way yeah my my um, experience post-college was very interesting so when i was a junior in a sophomore in college i got connected with a, a member of congress out in spokane mm -hmm. where gonzaga university is and i was on her staff i was an intern there for a couple of years i yeah. actually hung on to this internship for a long time it was hilarious yeah. eventually i told him i was like this is costing me money to park in the parking garage to come and work for yeah. you for free can't do it anymore at that so, point yeah. they hired me yeah. they said okay fine kid here you go and they hired me on to staff so my senior year i was on staff with a member of Congress okay. in the Spokane office and, and uh, simultaneously was the campaign manager for a local candidate running for what I'm running for now, state representative right. in Spokane and was the campaign manager for that guy. He won. Great guy, Kevin Parker. He got okay. elected and I transitioned from uh, Congress to the state legislature and I went there in 2009 as a legislative assistant. All well and good. Grand, great. I was engaged well, in great politics. Great experience. Right? It was great yeah. experience. I, yeah. was, I was doing the politics thing. Right. Um, but I knew that I wanted further education and, uh, and I didn't know exactly Exactly what, but realistically, I didn't want to do the PhD stuff. I didn't want to be a professor. I didn't mm -hmm. want the academic, you know, PhD right. program. What I wanted was uh, something practical, but also higher ed. And so, really, it came down to for me either business school or law school. And law school made a whole lot of sense. Number one, because advanced math was not my bag, there and uh, <laughs> so, own, just own it. Just yep, yeah, I just owned own it. it. I was like, yeah. I don't have there the prereqs go. to even get into yeah. a business school. Um, but really, it made sense because yeah. I loved 
the law. I loved mm -hmm. uh, politics. I loved policy. And uh, and I was a little constitutional nerd and took every single class on oh, this type of thing in yeah. undergrad that I could. And so I, I went off to University of Washington Law School. Right. And, uh, and what's funny about that, I'm telling you, Mike, I go, I tell people, I went to law school for fun. And that's a crazy thing to say. Yeah. Um, and right. it's a little flippant. Right. But in reality, I did not go to law school because I wanted to get a law degree to become an attorney. Yeah. And, and you I knew it going in. I knew it going in. Yeah. And it was because yeah. of my grandpa. And I love my grandfather. He, right. God rest him. Um, he just died a couple years ago. And he, he's a hero to me in my mm. life. And he had gotten a law degree. And he went off and worked for the FBI and then became an executive at McDonnell Douglas Aircraft. There you go. And that example was before me. And I thought, OK, so that's yeah. a great education that has a lot of application to a lot of things. Yeah. It also just so happens that it's stuff that interests me. Right. Lighting my brain on fire. Mm -hmm. And so I don't need to feel constrained that whatever I do in higher education next must necessarily be my doorway into a career. Yeah. It will be informative yep. to my life and career, but it does not have to be the next step in the path to my career, right? Yeah. So, so I went off to law school, and I did all the things you would think a future lawyer would do. I was on uh, moot court. I I was a, a mock trial, you know, competitor, and on an international law moot court team, and right. I was winning competitions right and left. I was the president of the moot court, which is the largest student uh, organization on the campus okay. and on the, at the law school, and and everyone thought I was going to be a litigator. And if I had gone down the road into, into law, I probably would have wanted to have been an appellate lawyer, you know, up right. at the Court of Appeals, up sure. at the Supreme Court, sure. you know, that kind of person. But I just knew that that career, that life was not really where where I wanted mm -hmm. to go, but the education was. So, yeah. so I made the most of it. There you go. And while I was in law school, I was trying to figure out what to do next. And, and I had been very interested in real estate for a long time, in property, in property investment, property development, in buildings and construction, mm. in ownership and sales and just sort of all of it, not knowing anything about it. Right. And I just was I was connected with the right people at the right time that got me into my next my next gig. So I graduated from law school with a JD and, yeah. you know, and everyone thought I'd go off to be a litigating attorney. And instead, I went and went in a lot of people's minds back. Backwards to get a real estate license, which you don't even need to go to college to do. <laughs> and, uh, and took a job that paid nothing. Exactly. Exactly right. You had to go earn your, That's every day, exactly earn your keep. Exactly right. I love that. I love it was, that. It was a quarter life crisis, actually. It turned into one. I didn't think it was one at the time. So yeah. I graduate, get my JD. Right. And connected with a local um, yeah. man who, uh, who owned a real estate company. He was a great great guy, Dave Morris, a lot of people will know him. And he owned the Keller Williams real estate brokerage and a mutual friend connected us. And he said, what are you doing after law school? I said, I don't know, but I'm interested in property and real estate. And he said, why don't you become a real estate broker and learn the whole business top to bottom? Hmm. And, uh, and so I did. And, and I got my real estate license and I started the, the, the fall after I graduated from law school, I started in real estate and people thought I had lost my mind. I yeah. mean, people, I remember yeah. going to church on a Sunday and people would come up to me and go, so how, how are things going? What, 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 what law do you practice? Practice. And I would tell them I'm in real estate now. And and I watched over and over again the faces of people yeah. when I had that conversation. It was like they looked aghast. Yeah. Accountant just falls. Absolutely. Like uh, what happened to Spencer Hutchins? Is he okay? Is he okay? <laughs> and and um, I was talking to a guy yeah. I know you know, Eric England. Yeah. Um, and he well. uh, and he he told me that I should turn that around and turn it into a business growth opportunity. I should have done more of that, but what I tried desperately to do is get out of the conversation as quickly as possible. It was extremely <laughs> uncomfortable yeah. to have people's expectations be met by a reality that oh, didn't make sense yeah. to them. Yeah. Well, 
jokes on everyone in the end, right? Sure. And, and sure. jokes on me for feeling that way because a few years later, you know, life really um, right. it exploded for me in really cool ways that that I couldn't even have envisioned at the at that very moment. But right. it was a it was a strange path that I took from college to politics to law school into real estate. It's kind of circuitous route. And it goes back to the you know, what are the behaviors and disciplines um, that are required to be successful in any line of work? Boy, the behaviors and disciplines of real estate. Isn't the number still north of 75 or 80% are part-time Oh, in yeah. that business? And, yeah. And I mean, the number of people who are full-time are, are not the majority, right? Absolutely right. And yeah. the number, and even even more stark is the number of people who, who um, for one reason or another, are not in the real estate business within two years of getting into it. Oh. That number is north of 95%. Ouch. I had not heard that. Yeah. It's a highly entrepreneurial business, right? And it does not naturally probably draw the people who are interested in, you know, corporate ladder, who are interested in salaried sure. position, right? Yeah, it's right. it is the wild west, and you better get out there and get after it. And yeah. I was blessed that I got out there and got after it, and and achieved you know some success, and and just kept plugging along. When did you? Um not only go out on your own, but what were the what were the maybe the biggest challenges that you were maybe didn't anticipate in starting that career? Well, we've already touched on a couple of them um, without you know even knowing it right now. the The biggest challenge I believe is I hadn't experienced failure in my life. When you get into real estate, you get told no all the time. Right. Instantly, right. amazing preparation for politics. Yeah. Amazing oh my gosh. Amazing preparation yeah, for politics. Yeah, very true. When you go into real estate and you are talking to people, people that may be your very long, close, lifelong friends right. um, about real estate, and then you see that they've listed their house with someone who isn't you, you have to ask yourself, A, why did that happen as it relates to me? Is there right. something I could have done to get that business, number sure. one? And number two, what does this say about me? Or put another way, what am I going to allow this to say about me? Yeah. You have to be willing to digest that failure, that yeah. rejection, yeah. and move on. Can I and learn go, from okay, it. There's, yeah. Yep, there's, yeah. there's something else out there for me. I can't let this one no turn into a thousand no's because of my bad behavior from here. Yep. Right. And that's where the, the um, attrition rate is so high in real estate and, and other entrepreneurial businesses. You get told no a few times and you go, why do I need this? I don't want this. Right. Right. If I had a job that paid me $60,000 a year to yeah. go and punch a clock and do a thing, I don't have to get told no ever. Yeah. In my day-to-day -day life, right. in real estate, you don't make money unless you're told no, yeah. because you have to get through a certain number of no's in order to get enough people to say yes. There you go. Right? There so that go. was a big lesson for me. Yeah. I needed to fail. I needed to fail. It's and a I needed great to fail lesson. fast yeah. Yeah. in order to start learning how to grow. Right. right? right. Um, the other thing that I think uh, I, I learned pretty quickly um, is that I could not let other people's expectations of me color how I felt about myself and what mm -hmm. I was doing. Going back to the whole thing about law degree, aren't you going to be a lawyer? Don't we expect you to be yeah. this big guy who's going to be on the news defending important people, right? And, and instead, I'm out selling real estate, which right. I think is an incredibly upstanding profession. Um, but other people were very confused about that. Yeah. And I needed to learn how to transition that conversation so that it wasn't about how I'm letting someone down or confusing someone. Instead, it's about my vision for my future. Mm. 
the reason I got into real estate is I wanted to own a business. I yeah. wanted to own my future. I wanted to create my own opportunity. Exactly. And so I did it. And it's tough. It's tough. And it's different maybe outside the box thinking than, than some people would have expected of me post-law school, for example. Right. But it was important. And, and within a few years, I bought the company I worked for. You know, my, my business partner and I have owned our, our Keller Williams brokerage now for six, seven years, right. um, and 100, 100 grew it, you know, from about 50 agents to 100, 120 agents. And, and um, it's an on, it's a work in progress. It's an ongoing, you know, yeah. process. There's no end. There's no end. And there's no end. No. Yeah. But it's, it's, the, it's the choices I get to make to be in the driver's seat of my own life. There you go. There you go. What a great story. What a great story for anybody that's listening who doesn't think that everything we do in life requires some level of dedication and persistence, you know? Amen. It just comes back over and over again. Only when you are, you know, at the advanced age and senility of someone like me, <laughs> can, you, can you remotely look back and go, oh, that's what that was all about. <laughs> oh, I see it. And you don't see it at 35, you know, I'm, I'm taking people on. Yep. What do you mean? What do you mean? You know, in yep. at, at 55, I'm like, yeah, that's your opinion. Exactly. That's yep. okay. Yep. What are we going to choose? You know, our response that's is what right. we control. That's I tell my people in my office all the time. We control only one thing, and yeah. that's us in this moment right now. That's it. Yesterday doesn't exist. Tomorrow doesn't exist. And all the rest of the people and what they're saying about you and for you doesn't exist. It's mm. all you. What's the yeah. conversation you're having? I mean, we have a conversation all day, every day, with one very important person, that's ourselves. That's it. What conversation are we having with ourselves? Yeah. And when I'm out there yeah. knocking on doors for the campaign I'm running now, mm. every door is an opportunity for someone else to dictate the conversation I have with myself. And it's important for me not to let that happen. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. It's amazing the way that, that positivity also can spread. Yes. You know. So we're going to pay a quick uh, homage here to our sponsor. Who's 10 Capital Wealth Advisors. You know, if you're like most folks, the recent headlines and volatility that they're being created are probably really concerning at the least and possibly retirement changing at the worst. If you find yourself watching the market and your portfolio bouncing up and down a little bit more than you're comfortable with, and you don't really have any clear communication or defined path to success, maybe the timing's right to refresh the conversation with who's handling your money. You know, we did this about 10 years ago, and we developed a relationship with Tim and the group at uh, 10 Capital, and uh, having an advisor to help you make great financial decisions, to ask all the pertinent questions up front, even as simple as, what does retirement mean to you and your, and your spouse um, or your partner, uh, can open up just a world of dialogue that wasn't there before. So we really highly recommend it. Getting this qualified second opinion, having an objective sounding board out there, that's just prudent planning. And when it comes to achieving your financial goals, prudent planning is what you need, especially if you're watching the headlines right now. People who are freaking out probably didn't plan prudently, uh, probably didn't think in advance of these things. And so, you know, we feel great about what's going on. We don't love it, but we know that we've got a great plan in place. And 10 Capital is the right place for it with nearly a billion dollars in assets under management. Um, their growth is just due to the process they've got. They talk about your purpose and your plan and your portfolio, and they stick with it. And they stick with you all the way through. They are my wingman as it comes to financial advising. They take everything into account from my constantly changing goals, uh, which seems to happen all the time the older you get, to the changing marketplaces that we're in. I highly recommend them. And to learn more, 
please check them out at 10capital.com. Throughout all of that, I feel like, um, you know, you keep finding different ways to, um, I don't know, to challenge yourself, mm-hmm. if for lack of a better term. So now you're, you know, you've done all these different things and you're moving through a, a successful, you know, business career and your politics is still <laughs> hanging out in the back of your mind, isn't it? You can't shake it. You're in it. You're part of city council then, yep, right? You, yep, you make a decision right. to do that yep. in the middle of all this. You talk a little bit about that and then how that led to this current opportunity. Yeah. So I, it is so interesting. I had been very politically ambitious when I was a kid. I mean, I remember being eight years old, walking into my brother's fourth grade classroom and there were the presidents on the wall. And uh, and his teacher and I were talking after hour. I was such a nerd, always been such a nerd. Yeah. And I was looking at those presidents. <laughs> I, I want to be one of those guys one day, you know, ha, 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 ha. Uh, wouldn't that be great? You know, I just was, I was political. I was, I remember debating my neighbor about Bill Clinton back when I was in first grade. I mean, you know, it's just comical, <laughs> comical, but I was really politically yeah. ambitious. I mean, I was student body president in high school, not, right. not because that was something important about a political career, but it just was at that time, sort of the access point I had to that kind of opportunity to, to quote unquote, serve in public office, right? Yeah. To be a representative of my community in one way or another. Um, well, what's really interesting, Mike, is you you get out of school, you start making some money, you start having a family, and life really has a way of flipping the script on you. Mm. And I'll tell you what, mm. my interest in politics maybe didn't diminish. My interest in a personal political career or service in public office took a nosedive, oh. a major nosedive yeah. several years ago when I... I and blessed with this amazing woman, Christy, right. who comes into my life like a, an angel dropped out of the sky. I mean, truly, so far out of my league, I can't even believe it. You know, and <laughs> we all said uh, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I heard one one out kicking my coverage joke, I heard them all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Enough of that. All yeah, right. Exactly. Um, but no, I mean, I yeah. was so blessed to have this wonderful woman um, come into my life. We get married, and then we start planning for our future, and we want to have kids. We started having kids pretty quickly, and our right. first son came along, and Rory, and um, and then. And, and and all of this is going on, and and I could, I'm just looking at my life, going. The last thing I need right now is to be in a in a political yeah, office. Yeah, I need that like yeah, nothing, you know. Right. And so I'm focused on my business. I'm focused mm-hmm. on my family. Well, just at that moment, a vacancy on the Gig Harbor City Council opened up, and it was it's somewhat ironic how the script gets flipped mm. because. Um, it was an interesting time politically for the city. A new mayor had just been elected, That's hadn't right. even taken office yet. A new council, a new majority on the council had just been elected. So there's going to be a lot of transition. Um, and I foresaw there were going to be some, I don't think it would be a surprise for anyone to hear that I foresaw in that moment that there might be some um, some some tensions and some difficulties and some transitions and changes and challenges going yeah. on in the city. And, uh, and my phone started ringing. Would I consider an appointment to that vacancy? Would I consider it? And I had gone up for an appointment you know, years earlier, um, and it hadn't worked out, and uh, and that was fine. That was exactly right. That's what should have happened right. in that in that moment. But right. later on down the road, I'm going. No, I don't need to. I don't need to be on city council. I really don't need, mm-hmm. need this. And it was almost because of that that I decided to do it. Uh, it was the fact that this wasn't about doing anything other than trying to do good for my community in a moment when I felt like what I could bring to the table would be helpful, mm-hmm. and that it would likely be 
something of a challenge mm-hmm. and something of a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want I don't want to, you know, pat myself on the on the back too much here because it was it was a it was a privilege and it was a pleasure in a right. lot of ways. But it it was time away from my work and my family. Yeah. And, uh, and but I decided that it was a worthwhile thing. Christy and I decided it was a worthwhile thing and and so I I did that. Uh, and I served 2 years and 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 while I was on that council I thought I really think I I'm liking this maybe more than I expected I would and and maybe I'm going to run for re-election. Well, by the time my term came up, I've served out the two years of this right. unexpired term. By the end of two years, I thought, I am glad I have served my community. It has been a privilege and a mm. blessing to me, and I do not need to run for re-election. Uh, and and uh, yeah. my friend Tracy Markley took my seat on the council, and she's now the mayor of Gig Harbor. Yep. She's a dear friend, and she's doing a great job. And it's just, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing to mm. think back on that and go, it, it wasn't about you know, scratching some ambition itch. It yeah. was it was about serving my community for a time. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. You got to be careful when you say, uh, uh, you know, I'm here, God send me. Yes. Because, you know, things happen. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden people will surround you with, you know, what about this, what about that? That's and right. You still got to be true to yourself. Yes. You still got to be, you know, yeah. taking the important, make sure the main thing's the main thing. Yep. Like always. Yes. Like always. When did so, the main thing become the main thing for this? Well, yeah. So that's the that's the interesting thing. Then we transitioned uh, a year later yeah. after I left the council. Um, in our local district, we have uh, each district for those for those who may not know who are listening. Each legislative district in our state has one senator and two representatives, okay. um, and the representatives are two year terms, so they're always on the ballot every two years. And the senator is a four year term. Mm-hmm. Well, one of our state representatives um, is running for the state senate, which is so all three positions are on the ballot this year, and so one of our state representatives is running against our incumbent senator, which opens up this state representative right. seat. Right. Um, my phone started ringing, <laughs> and, uh, and it was about a year after I'd left the the council, and um, and I really I, I I said no, you know, I said no, I didn't unthinking like unthinkingly, kind right. of knee jerk, just said no, thank you, you know, right. no, I appreciate it, that's very you know flattering, um, but the calls kept coming. Um, and then Christy and I started going, okay, maybe we should think about this. Maybe mm. we should pray about it. Is there a reason, reason the calls keep coming? Right. And uh, by then we had, um, our, you know, our son was born and we very shortly thereafter got pregnant with our second. Um, and it would represent a, a major challenge, potentially major sacrifice and almost the exact same thinking about the city council just sort of cropped up in our minds. Yes, oh, yeah. it will be. And maybe is that the reason we need to do this? Because people of goodwill and good sense need to step forward to serve their community. Mm. And um, and do we feel this as a call? Mm. So we really talked about that. We mm. really prayed about it. Yeah. And the answer was, yes, we, we do. Wow. Um, and so there I went. I filed for the office and I started raising money and the chips fell into place and things really started you know, moving in the right direction. And so we've been on this journey for the last year and a half and we're coming down to T minus one month, one you know, month away That's from the right. general election. So That's right. it's been, it has been a journey. It's been a, it's been a very interesting yeah. process and who knows what's going to happen. I could win. I could lose. Right. You know, right. We were the tightest primary in the state, so I could win or I could lose. Yeah, you, you are know? right there neck and neck. 113 votes, I think, in the end between us in the primary. And in the primary, it didn't matter because we were both going to be on the general election ballot. It's just me and my Democrat opponent. Right. And, uh, and we were both going to be on the ballot. So it was really a test. And, well, the test came out 50-50. Wow. Yeah. Which actually says something <laughs> yes, in and of itself. Yeah. As Washington's a... Uh, 
pretty far left-leaning state, Yeah. so you never know. Our district is pretty quintessential swing district. It could go either direction. You take nothing for granted. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So that's how I started going down this road, and I try to maintain the business, right? right. I keep going, keep doing the business. I need to provide for my family. No one pays you to run, nope. right? No one nope. pays you to be a candidate. They do not. So they do not. We, we try to do the best we can. Wow. Yeah. So what have, what have been like the uh, things that you did not anticipate, things that kind of catch you off guard on the campaign trail? Is it just is it everything that we want to believe in the movies or is it nothing like it? <laughs> it's a lot more boring than, you know, than the, than the drama, right? You see, right. you see the West Wing and you see the, you know, the, the movies right. and the drama, you know, the, it's, it's a lot more pedestrian than that. It is, it's talking to people at their doorstep, you yeah. know, it's, it's hearing what people are concerned about. It's, it's just the day-to-day business of same as real estate, making contacts and, and trying to. Again, build. you're well-trained for this. I, it, right? it, I could not have, I, yeah. I, that's one of the things about my story that I find so interesting that I mm. did not consider for one second that there would be some crossover training from being successful in an entrepreneurial right. job right. and then going and running for a political position. Yeah. At least as the campaign goes, and I think probably in terms of serving in the office as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there is a lot of training that went on in my life as a result of my career. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it is it's it's pretty pedestrian. It yeah. is it's the knocking on doors and talking to people and being at events and trying to trying to say things that connect with people and not stumble and and make a stupid error that you didn't mean to make and um, it, you know people tend to be of, of more goodwill than than they get credit for mm-hmm. you know i've only had the door slammed in my face a few times i've right. only had a few people be you know particularly unkind to me right. um you know i'm not getting heckled on social media all the time maybe one day that'll start happening you know but i'm i'm for the most part it's been yeah. it's been just the process of sharing my message and there are a lot of people who are 100% on board and they're with me and there are people who are not convinced and there are a lot of people in between who are going I I want to see us move in a healthy direction as a community right yeah. so you're doing the best you can um, to to share that message I've been surprised by how overwhelming it is when someone supports you mm. when someone says here's my hard-earned money and I'm voluntarily going to give it to you because I believe in you. Right. I believe in what you're doing. Yeah. That is a very humbling thing. And mm. and I have yet to get to a point where I'm perfectly at ease with it and just take it for granted. Yeah, you I know? mean, respect and trust are earned. A hundred percent. Right? Yep. And you, don't, you can't just walk around and yep. think that they all owe you something. That's right. That's amazing. It it is a, it, that's yeah. that's big. Someone told me early on in this process too. There will pe- people will surprise you. And they'll surprise you in good ways and bad ways. Mm-hmm. There will be people that you will expect or would assume right. will be right there with you. Right. And they're not. And then people you would never imagine or you don't even know who will come out of the woodwork and be your your right. biggest cheerleader. And I have found that. People I've known my whole life who um, who I have been surprised people by. Are moved, people are moved by certain things, aren't yes. they, though? Yes. So, sometimes it's political. Sometimes others. i got a good friend. Um, uh, she she worked with us, and then her husband works for uh, Hillsdale College, which uh, doesn't take any government money, so they can teach whatever they feel like, right? He's the fundraiser for Hillsdale College. Now, we haven't talked in a while, but the numbers were staggering. And these people didn't go to Hillsdale, don't even know where it is. They just agree with what they stand for, and they come out of the woodwork, yep. writing big checks yep. for Hillsdale College. I was like, what? He goes, oh, you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. I will never yeah. forget. I got a I got a max out check. An individual can give 
the way it works here is $1,000 per person per election. So a mm. primary election, $1,000, a general election, $1,000. So right. an individual can give a grand total throughout the course of the campaign, $2,000. Got it. I got a check from a name I'd never known, never seen, never spoken to, from not our hometown, from outside the district, a long way away. Wow. Max out check. I looked this person up, and yeah. I looked at who they, and they contribute. They contribute to candidates fairly regularly. Right. But this person has just made it a mission to seek out candidates who may not even live or represent where this guy does. Wow. And contribute at the highest level. Yeah. And I just remember being totally blown away by that because he didn't know me. I don't know him. But he did his research. Yeah. He talked to some people. Yeah. And he came out of the woodwork. That's so cool. You know, and that kind of yeah. thing, you're like, all right, that's right, I'll take that, right? And going back to the conversation you mm. have with yourself. So I can't take that information and then go, Spencer, you're the greatest ever. Look what just mm. happened. Yeah. Right? Any yeah. more than when someone slams the door in your face, you can't say, Spencer, you suck. Right. You know, and everyone hates you. Yeah. It's like, no, you've got to, you've got to mm -hmm. take the blessing and be grateful for it, but don't get puffed up by it. And you've got to take the challenges yep. and take the failures and not get dragged down by them, but let them fuel you. Yeah, Both of those things need yeah. to fuel you. Great advice. Great advice. So let's talk about the messaging. Yeah. What's uh, what's tip of mind? What do people want to talk about? And what are you trying to reinforce? Well, so before I get into policy, I'll tell yeah. you, I keep hearing over and over again, people are really concerned about the state of our politics. The the Amen. tone of our <laughs> politics. Yeah. And I have really tried hard, very, uh, very intentionally, to approach this campaign with a sense of solicitude toward everyone possible, right? Yeah. To be gracious and kind. My, there have been articles. My my opponent Addison and I were just interviewed together um, down in Gig Harbor uh, for a video that's accompanying a piece in the News Tribune. It's it's been released. Um, talking about us individually, but also talking about us and our approach to this campaign, which has been issue focused, and mm. we're and we're gracious to each other. You know, I I consider yes. him. I've I've said in in debates, I sort of consider him a buddy. Yeah. We're, we're in this together. Only one of us is going to win, but we're both doing this together. No one else in the community is doing the thing that we're doing. No, nope. it's just him and me. That's right. And so, why would I be antagonistic toward this person when it's really a question of ideas? It's really a question of vision, and we may have a different vision. We may have different ideas. Sure. That doesn't make him a horrible person any more than it makes me a horrible person. Exactly right. Right. So I try really hard to respond to people's concerns about the state of our politics mm. by modeling for them some civility. What healthy <laughs> civility looks like. You're. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because and you're not getting it on the national no, level. No, they're not. And you know what? I yeah. didn't mean to do this either, but I hired a liberal Democrat campaign manager. Yeah. I've known her forever. She's a dear friend, and she is incredibly talented. Right. She does not agree with me on politics, but she believes in me as a person. Yeah. And I trust her implicitly. And you know what? That's something that we can model as well. Wow. This person yeah. is hopeful that I win, even though if she were a state legislator, we'd be in different caucuses and yep. we'd be voting differently on bills. Yep. Yep. Not on everything, but on a lot of things. Sure. And sure. so I'm trying to model that for people and show them mm. this is my heart. And I may be a Republican, absolutely right, mm. right? I may have a different policy view than you, but first you're a human being. Yeah. First you're my neighbor. Now let's talk about policy. Right. And so that's something that really comes to the fore in this campaign. I hear it, I hear it, and it and it resonates with me. Good. Um, I talked to, hear to it. someone. I yeah. talked to someone the other day. They're like, I'm sick of politics. I said, I know, me too. That's why I ran. Yeah, there you go. You know, you can I mean, take either side, right? Absolutely. You can cover and duck and run. Yeah. 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 
Someone told mm-hmm. me that uh, I, I met a Democrat the other day at the doorstep, and and she and she said, "I'm sorry, I'm a Democrat. I can't vote for you." But she was very nice, and she said, "But honestly, look at your party." And then she went down the list of all of her grievances against the Republican Party and the extremism and this and that and whatever. And without really speaking to getting into the weeds of of exactly you know the personalities and the and oh. the complaints she had, right. I said because she said, "How can you be associated with?" And I said, "Listen." If people of goodwill and good sense on both sides surrender to people who have no goodwill or who are unreasonable, then we all lose. And so here I am, a Republican, but I am stepping forward to be a representative of goodwill good sense, balance, common sense. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's really important. So that's, that's very much, it's, it has become over the last you know year as I've, this is such a cool thing. Yeah. As I've listened to people, yeah. as I have heard people resonate back to me, the things that I am cons- concerned about, yeah. Yeah. it becomes a key element at the core of what I'm, oh, what I'm absolutely. about. Yeah. Absolutely. About. Yeah. The central themes, once you know them, they just roll off. Yes. They become who you are. Yes. And it, it's clear to me listening to you that you know who you are. I don't have to sit there and think about that question. I'm not going to take it personally. Yep. I'm going to come back with what I know is the right the right way to address this. Yep. Yeah. We just uh, we're not going to all become moderates tomorrow, but man, we got to reach across the no, aisle and figure out a way to get some policy done. You know, you know, I was on another radio program and I and and I said I'm going to reach across. I'm going to have conversations. I've met with a Democrat state representative who reached out to me. Hmm. She heard me on a radio show and she said, "You're you're great. Let's get together." And we talked. And you know what's really interesting is we talked about our backgrounds more than anything else. Right. Her background could not be more different than mine. Hmm. Very important for me to know. Very important for her to know. Yeah. Right? Because that colors the way we come at anything. Absolutely. So when does. I know you better, I understand where you come from better. I understand mm-hmm. your views better. Mm-hmm. But then we got into policy. And you know what we discovered? Hilariously. We were talking about a housing issue. And we discovered we agreed with the with what we were what we were talking about a specific bill that right. I didn't like. Right. But we but I agree with what the bill is trying to achieve. Yes. What I disagree with is the mechanism that it uses to achieve it. There you and go. she and I talked about that fact that we agree on what mm-hmm. what the policy is trying to yeah. achieve. We agree with the outcome. Yep. Let's yep. now work on a mechanism that everyone can agree with. There you go. You know, you and, go. and uh, most people don't want to so there's certain automatics in our society. Most people don't want to pay more in taxes. It's, right. it, it's kind of a universal thing, yes. even though it happens all the time. Right. <laughs> so if you find a way to be civil and get the result or the outcome that you want, exactly. and I don't have to sit there and pony up more <laughs> for it, I'm, I'm probably giving high fives yeah, all over the place. Right? <laughs> you know what? And that's the thing is that yeah. we all have life in common. We all have community in common. Yeah. And that's the thing that I continue to be so shocked by is how willing people are to not see any commonality with people they disagree with. Right. It's like, no, no, no. They wake up and eat breakfast, same as you. Yeah. They get their kids off to school, same as you. Mm-hmm. They go and buy pants. Same as you. Yeah. And and that is important. That's so important. My campaign manager reminds reminds me of it every day. Yeah. She goes home to her wife and her child. That's a different lifestyle than me. Right. And right. you know what? She's my neighbor. It's important for me to understand her and her world That's if right. I'm going to value her as a person. We're still shopping. Amen. Still going on vacations. That's right. still, let's 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 cut it. Yep. Stop this. Yeah, it's yeah, craziness. Yeah. It's craziness. Yeah. I know it. You know, we get polarized on, you know, less than a half a dozen key issues yes. across the across the country. Yes. And and that becomes the arguing point for if you don't agree with me here, well then we can't talk. Yes. 
We can't even communicate anymore. That's what's got to stop, I feel like. Well, it has to. I mean, because to me, what that says is you're not human to me. Right. Right? right. If I'm not going to communicate with you, that means I can gain nothing from you and you can gain nothing from me as a person. Right. That is crazy. It is crazy. And it's dehumanizing. Yeah. Right. It is not respectful. I actually want to know more about you. Exactly. And you're cutting me off at whatever exactly. the topic is. Yes. Yeah. And listen, I debate. I love debate. I love give and take. I love conversations. I could not have gone through college, law school. I can't go through Thanksgiving with my family. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not willing yeah. to have some give and take. It'd be a fly in the wall at the Absolutely. Hutchins household exactly. of Thanksgiving. Oh That'd gosh, be fun. I know. We're, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're a blast. Uh, my mother's blood pressure goes through the roof. Yeah. Right? Can we not? Yep, yeah, too late. No, anyone, too no late. exactly. You raised us, so you don't get a choice. In yeah. this, matter. this is how we turned out, lady. Um, but you know what? We, yeah. If I if I showed up for Thanksgiving and looked at my older brother and say, "Don't talk to me," then I have just taken him and taken away his humanity. Yeah. And said, "Whatever it is that you think for you, I don't need to be bothered by your voice." Right. That is crazy. That I mean, is. It's disrespectful. And yeah. uh, and we as a culture, we as a community, are we suffer massively from that. Yeah, we do. So I just I just don't buy it. I yeah, do not do. buy it. Well, there's a, there's a denigration of the, of of the Oval Office that's been happening, and when when the moral decline happens in a society, the rest of it starts to circle the drain. I mean, there's a a lot of historical precedents for that, and I think we all feel this sort of decline in civility that everything is on the attack or they're completely on the defensive one way or the other nobody's willing to reach out and talk about what don't we want the same outcome yep and yep. so and there are, and there kudos are to you things going on you know i mean the crime stuff the the cost of living our taxes are out of control crime mm. is out of control police can't do their jobs i mean and it's not i'm not overblowing it to say that right. i just received the endorsement of the washington um uh, fraternal order of police Did you? amen yeah. and praise the lord for it because yeah. i am going to go down to the legislature and say let's get some common sense back as it relates to policing and crime there are some very serious things that i think from a partisan standpoint need to change yes um but you know what we will achieve nothing in that conversation if we silo ourselves into our individual caucuses yeah. and say, you vote your way, we'll vote our way, and then we'll just put out the press releases after the fact. Yeah. That's not policy. That's making. not policy. That's posturing. Right. Right. Yeah. Very good point. Very good point. So of the of, when you're going around talking to people, do two or three things float to the top? Absolutely. Topically? What, yeah. what, what do you... Yeah. I mean, the, the, um, the crime stuff is... It's on people's minds. Yeah. I mean, I just had a personal friend have their car stolen out of their driveway overnight in Gig Harbor. Right. You know, that's a, a neighbor of ours had had engines taken off their boat sitting in their driveway. Mm. You know, I mean, it's it's I mean, I've witnessed three shoplifts with my own eyes in our district. And they can't do anything about those. No, I've heard. no one can do anything about no, it. And the police can't chase them. Can't can't no, 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 no. Can't yeah. chase. Yeah. Can't chase. And, and I had someone at a debate push back on me on the police chase thing because, again, for your listeners, Washington State has said police cannot chase criminals fleeing a crime scene with only a few very, you know, specific uh, exceptions. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and I had someone push back and say, the last thing we need are a bunch of high-speed chases on our highways. I said, listen, the police do their jobs, in my view, with discretion. And when you talk to the local police chief and when you talk to the sheriff, they're not out there wanting to get into 90-mile-an-hour 90 you know, high-speed chases. No. But they're not able to stop someone in a parking lot. Right. They're not able to stop someone leaving a neighborhood. Yeah. And so there's some there's some yeah. sanity and common sense that we're losing here. Um, and so yeah, crime is a big deal. People feel it, and it's and and I think that the property crime element of it, it's not mm. as sexy. It doesn't get as much attention maybe as you know a violent crime. And and 
thank God, right? right? We, right. we uh, who, don't want to elevate that. See, no, right. we don't want right. to see a bunch of violent crime yeah. either. But right. when you see people going, my my property is not safe, or business is going, I'm going to go out of business mm. based on the stop loss costs of having of, of yeah. trying to keep people from stealing, or if they steal, from having to eat the cost of losing product. It's so crime is a big deal, and people are talking about it. And the other thing is, I I just keep hearing from people, we're getting we're getting priced out of our community. Uh. We cannot afford between inflation, increased taxes. Washington State is on track. The Department of Ecology has put out numbers that estimate next year we will see doubling of our gas taxes, almost doubling of our gas taxes in mm. Washington State, which will put us at the top of the heap in the United States for gas taxes. Wow. Right at a time when our dollar is suffering from really rough inflation. And right. so I hear people just going, how do we provide for ourselves? How do we provide for our family? How do I, on fixed income, if I'm a retiree, mm -hmm. continue to live here? Yeah. And so we, you know, yeah. I was asked the other day, what can the government do about inflation? What can the state legislature do about inflation? The state legislature can do a lot of things to bring costs down on everyday citizens. Right. We need to be doing those things. Right. You know, stop the new taxes, stop the increased taxes, wind that stuff back. Mm -hmm. Really, I mean, if you were distilled down my platform, it's there's a lot of bad stuff that happened in Olympia the last two, four years. We need to just reverse them. Right. If we just reverse some very bad, ill, you know, yeah. ill-cited yeah. uh, policies, poorly, poorly timed, yeah, for sure. poorly timed, yeah. and uh, and and poorly thought through policies, we will be in a lot better, better shape. Mm. Well, that's a tall order, as always. Yes, it is. <laughs> Does anything make you cringe more than another? Is there, is there anything right now that you're kind of going through where you kind of go? What was I thinking? I had it so good. All I had to do was just go out and knock on doors and sell some property. And now you're... <laughs> you know what? I, or does it not even factor in? No, it, it does. Yeah. It does. I have that conversation with myself. I try to keep myself on, you know, on a, on a healthy, you yeah. know, mental foundation. Right. Certainly for my family and my kids. I want, to, I want to model going through these challenging things in life and taking the bull by the horns and yeah. doing it well. Right. Being healthy about it. And I would say... The most jarring thing for me is being viewed as a politician. And I know that's stupid for a politician to say, right? I'm running for office. That yeah. means I'm a politician. Yeah. But a year ago, I was just a normal dude, right? right? I was just a father. I was just a husband. I was just the local guy down the street. I own a real estate company. Like, you know, that's that's great, but it certainly doesn't make me Donald Trump, you know, right. or, or Jeff Bezos. I'm not fabulously wealthy. You know, I'm just, I'm just going through my life trying to be a normal, good person. Now I'm running for office. And, and mm. I described this for someone. Um, any reputation I had prior to this was the result of people who knew me or knew people who knew me. Yeah. Right. Or right. had some interaction with me at one level or another. Well, when you go and put your name on a ballot and put a letter by your name, now half the community has an opinion of you in one direction and the other half has an opinion of you in the other direction based only on the letter by your name. Yes. Right? And some people have an opinion of you regardless of the letter by your name because you're a grubby politician who put your name on the ballot. Yeah. Right? And so that's just been an interesting thing because I know who I am in my mm, heart yeah. and I'm the guy knocking on your door, but I'm still just Spencer. Right. But I'm Spencer who happens to be running for state representative. And and for, for people who haven't been in that position, I think it's hard to, to really kind of envision. Mm. You go from being a regular, average, everyday guy. You leave this room. You go out to your car. You get in your car. You drive to the store. Get out of, get out of the car. And you're just still you. Still me. When I get out of the car at the store, I see people looking at me because they've recognized me from that event, that event, that event. Right. They've seen me at the door. They've, you know, right. they've gotten and the mailers about feeling, me or from feeling me. judged. Yeah, exactly. All the time, I'm and sure, don't and, you? And I mean, it's, and it's not bad. I don't. I don't. Um, 
I cert it's not a complaint because that's what I signed up for. Right. But it is interesting to to now know that my uh, reputation or people's opinions of me mm. is in a lot of ways out of my control. Some of it's in my control, but there's a lot of it that's out of my control. Yeah. And that's the that's the whole process of putting yourself forward in a public oh sense. Oh my gosh, isn't you it know? though? Isn't so it that's though? and and really that's yeah. what you sign up for and I'm good with it. Right. I'm good with it. But it's that it's that process of sort of looking at yourself going, okay, it's a little yeah. different for me out there now, right? Well, isn't it though? And yeah. Isn't it so, though? And wanting to protect yeah. your kids and wanting your kids to, you know, to, to come through that. For sure. Okay. You know, and they but are. The, but what you model, what you, what they see, uh, and they will see uh, in continuing years, um, you know, says more about you than anybody's words. It's the consistent actions and behaviors that you that you put out there in front of them and everybody else. But to get there, um, you can never do it on your own. That's right. Uh, and when we know that here at Wingman, we talk to business people all the time. We were literally out over the tips of their skis trying to do everything themselves. We're in 45 hats running a small business. Yep. It's really hard. They need a sounding board. They need somebody with some experience. And that's what we try and do. Where did your sounding board come from? Your mentors, your your coaches in your own life? Because uh, I know that they're there. Uh, I can't think of many blessings in my life that um, that are more alive in my heart. Hmm than the people who invested in me over the years. Yeah. Um, and some of them aren't here anymore. Right. I talked about my grandpa before. Right. He's, he, it's trite to say he was my best friend because he wasn't my best friend. It, 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 that's not what he was, but he was one of the most important voices in my life. There you go. He and I wrote letters to each other all through college. I bound him in a book for him when he turned 90-something. Oh, my gosh. Um, wow. And, uh, and those will stay with me forever. Mm. But mm. the the people who who came into my life starting young, first grade. Janet Newton, my first grade teacher. Yeah. Jim Longogger, my fourth grade teacher. Um, yeah. Karen Kennedy and Doug Perry, and people that I had in high school. Um, professors. Right. Friends of my parents. Uh, pastors. Uh, who took an active interest in my life, in me as a person, in my well-being, in right. my future, right. and and who didn't just give advice. Um, I think advice is overrated, frankly. What they did is they spoke encouragement, and they, mm. uh, they pushed me to see potential. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I will never forget yeah. the, the things that I heard from people who I loved and who loved me just saying you are you have the ability to fill in the blank right they didn't give me advice on how to get there they, they may have right but what I remember most is not that they gave me advice on how to get there it's that they told me that there was there in the first place yeah I could do it I could do it's it it's within me you could do it yeah and incidentally we expect you to right and i think it's important i i think it is important there's a there's a balance you want to make sure that you are not dragging someone down by putting too much on them saying we expect the greatest of things from you right yeah. great expectations yeah. can be a burden however yeah. um i think it is very important not to call people that you care about to a higher version of themselves, mm. to a higher uh, degree of achievement or attainment, to, um, you know, to, to see the mountaintop and go for it. Right. And I had people in my life who did that. And, yeah. uh, and I am, I, it was so funny when we were thinking about 
running for this position right. or when I was thinking about buying my real estate company. It didn't occur to me that it was too far for me to achieve. The question was the how. Mm-hmm. How would I go about doing? How would I go about financing uh, a real estate company when I'm 28 years old? How would I go about running for state representative right when I'm right. Um, when I've got a family and a business and all that? The how was important. I was working through it, but there were the people in my life who primed the pump with me on my potential and my possibility so right. much that it wasn't a question of whether I could do it. Yeah. And that's incredibly powerful. Yeah. And it's what I want to pass along to my children. And of it's course. what I have tried to pass along. You know, I've mentored um, kids. I was in Young Life. I was yes. a Young Life leader. And I and there were three generations of Gig Harbor High School boys that I, you know, that I uh, mentored and prayed for. And that many of them are still in my life. Um, and they really mattered to me. And I wanted them to know that there was someone who was for them and saw something in them that was worth pushing and pushing. Yeah. And I just think that's, I think that's so powerful as the result of the people who did that for me. And I know, Mike, I know what a privilege that was. I understand that. When I look yeah. at the privilege in my life, I think mm-hmm. there's no more privilege I've achieved in my life mm. than the people who willingly spoke into you know, into me yeah. and who encouraged me. Um, not everyone gets that. And so I think it's it's important for us to know yeah. that we have that responsibility for others. It's just true. People get beat down. Yes. And in the 24-second news cycle, yes. world that we're in, That's right. you know, it only takes a couple of dislikes or, you know, I'm not your friend anymore to send somebody over the edge. That's right. And they need people like that. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. That's good stuff, man. Uh, it's It's so cool. That's good stuff. Look, it, this is uh, this is the best of what we do here. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it makes me smile to watch it, to be uh, to seen it from afar, uh, to be uh, you know close enough to know that I could have called you up at any point in time and said, "Would you like to do this?" And I knew the answer was going to be yes. Amen. Um, in in or out of a political season, Absolutely. just just to get the background on what you've been doing and, and how you got there, what you value. Um, I, I hope the listeners are listening well to this one this has been really really enjoyable for me well i really appreciate it it's a it's a pleasure to be here with you and i and what i love about this is it just is a reminder yet again that the at the base of all of this is what kind of person do we intend to show up as in our lives and in our world and you're speaking to that with podcasts like this you're speaking Mm. to that in your business and and your listeners i think are are engaged in that project right. of of working on being the kind of person that shows up in the world in a way that the world needs. And maybe that's a little kid on the sidewalk right now, mm-hmm. or maybe that's some big global national thing. I don't know, whatever it is for any individual person, right. there's a clarion call on each one of our lives. It shows up differently, but we've got to be thinking through how we can, how we can show up in the world. And you're it's doing true. some very intentional stuff right now that I Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, we we get it. Wingman's named after my pop who flew in Vietnam. He was in the Air Force for 30 years. And, um, you know, you don't get in an airplane every three days for 16 months in a row and get shot at and not understand the true definition of a wingman. Amen to that. But I... But even in, in his serving, what I find, and, and this is true for the people that we work with, small business owners who may be um, challenged with how many things are on their plate still want to teach. Amen. They just do. And my dad at 90 has kids come over to the house, not just because he can't get to it all, but he's over there changing the, you know, <laughs> showing how to change the oil, sharpen a chainsaw blade. I don't know. Do something in the wood shop downstairs. 
because he still wants to teach. Mm -hmm. And there is an innate thing in lots and lots of people that I would love to be able to give back in some fashion. I'd love to be able to help somebody do better. Mm -hmm. And that's all this is. Mm -hmm. That's what you've been doing constantly, over and over and over again, trying to find the good in people and give back. And uh, that's what we try to do here. And it's just a, it's a neat thing. There's very little that to me is impressive about achievement without contribution. Yeah. And, and I love that's that. It. That's it. That's, that that's on the nose. Yeah. yeah been fun stuff we um before we say goodbye we always ask a couple of questions here at the end but as busy as you are i would do i would stick with this one um on a personal side who might be your mount rushmore of dinner guests living or dead mm. i'm gonna guess i know one since you've already mentioned them a couple times but um so uh i would love to talk to my grandfather again there you go um yeah. When the Queen died, he he's he was quite the Anglophile. He just he oh. loved all things British. And, okay, and all that. My next one's going to be British too. Yeah. Um, and I I found myself wanting to call up my grandpa and grandma and talk to him about it. Oh my gosh! And yeah, they weren't there. Yeah, I'd love to see them again. Right, right. Uh, I would love to uh, to talk to Winston Churchill. Mm. Um, and he's not without his own controversy, but uh, but his tenacity in the face of really long odds yeah. is an inspiring thing and his, just his life I'm a I'm a student of Churchill and I love Churchill and 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 his life oriented toward service mm -hmm. and victory <laughs> in, for sure in you know whatever way um, he was the, he was the right guy at the right time and um, I didn't want the spotlight nope no didn't want it. Um, and he spent a long time in the wilderness being willing to be the, the lone guy in the wilderness. Yeah, he um, did. Before the the words that he was speaking lined up with the with the uh, needs of the time. Yeah. So I would love to I'd love to um, speak with him. And then um, I, it's lame, I'm sure, very nerdy. But Thomas Aquinas is a hero of mine. I, I studied a lot of philosophy in college. Yeah. And his and his um, his Christian philosophy. Uh -huh. um, was really eye-opening to me in it just one of those things that I look back with great nostalgia um, right. in my time at college studying these big thinkers and he's one that I just I just was totally enthralled mm. by and probably not one that a lot of people go oh yeah hell yeah I want Thomas Aquinas at my dinner table a heck of a dinner <laughs> <laughs> actually it would be because he yeah. was known to be quite rotund um, <laughs> and, uh, and he loved himself a good dinner but, there you uh, go. there you but go. yeah no I mean those are those are it's an eclectic group Thomas Aquinas That's, Winston Churchill and my grandpa there but go. there you go and the three of them would love to get to know each other. <laughs> you just totally know that they would. <laughs> you just know that they would. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it would be a, it would be a wonderful meal. Yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. Thanks for having me, Spencer. This is wonderful. I uh, I wish you nothing but success and good luck on the rest of the campaign trail. To you for the audience out there, uh, Spencer Hutchins. You can find him at that address on uh, any number of websites and places to go. And um, Again, this has been a wonderful time spent getting to know you better. So, you. appreciate it very much. Good luck to you, my friend. Thanks so much. All right, you betcha.